Hello, podcast listeners. I'm your host, Richard Lee, and welcome to the Ranger Outpost, where I'm going to take you to our friendly outpost, where we go deep into people's unique lives that really inspire me. Today, we'll be interviewing Madeline Cruz. We will dive into her journey that is filled with great adventures ranging from writing her own published novel, performing and teaching hip-hop and contemporary dance, and having a love for basketball. And I love that it can be, I could tell my story and it could be interpreted totally different to someone else, but that it still relates to them, just not in the way that I had, the way it related to me. And I think that's the dopest part about it is that I can create a conversation without ever saying a single thing. Madeline Cruz is a creative base in Atlanta, Georgia. She's an experienced performance dancer specializing in hip hop and contemporary dance and enjoys teaching different styles internationally. She took many pivotal decisions from changing her sleep schedule to mirror the great Jimmy Butler's 3am wake-up call, pursuing a master's in social work, and taking on the new challenge of writing a mystery novel. Thank you, Madeline Cruz, for coming on the show. Uh, my name is Madeline Cruz. I'm about to be 22 next week. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. I am a choreographer and performer based out of Atlanta, and I've recently started my venture into being an author which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. So it's great to be here. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I, I think your insights and your story will be uh, so well listened by our audience. So I'm super glad you're here. How, what are you up to now uh, that you would like to talk about? Uh, well, right now I'm still getting my bachelor's degree. I'm in my senior year. Thank God. I mean, that really mm-hmm. be too happy going back for my master's mm-hmm. right after. <laughs> so that's going on. That's a real integral part of life right now. And then I'm still teaching and performing dance, primarily hip hop right now, teaching mm-hmm. contemporary as well. Um, I actually have a performance video coming out this weekend. So that's going to be super fun. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, it was one of my first official stints in, I don't want to say like, like music mixing. Mm-hmm created my own music for my performance. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the dopest thing. I took bits and pieces of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and Malcolm mm-hmm. X Protect Black Women speech and mixed them in with a lot of different hip hop songs to create a bit of a cypher vibe between myself and a few other dancers. Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool. I'm so excited. That's really cool. So often a lot of our guests actually have graduated college. So this is a little different and I'm super excited. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your journey on how you got to where you are right now. A lot of mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of mistakes for sure. But it's, it's crazy because I had applied cause right now I'm at Kennesaw and I had applied when I graduated high school. Now high school, me and college, me are two very different people. <laughs> High school me could care less about school. As long as I pass the class, I'm solid. College me is a very different beast. College me is like, no, if it's not an A, we don't want it. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying to retake a class, probably with the same professor. No. So coming out of high school, I had I had a pretty I had like a three point not a three no, not a three, like a two point eight, two point nine GPA. And really? yeah very two very different people Mm. (laughs) two very different people um and i originally applied for kennesaw state didn't get in naturally that gpa was atrocious (laughs) my essays were bomb though so thankfully i at least had that to fall back on Mm -hmm. i applied for georgia perimeter which is 
now Georgia State because they bought it. Yeah. I went there for my associate's degree because that was the only college I actually really got into. Look, thank God, at least got somewhere. Mm-hmm. Got your foot in the door. Right. I forced my foot through the little doggy door and made it work. <laughs> but I got I got my grades up, graduated there with a 3.8. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Two very different people. Yeah, complete pivot complete pivot within a semester once i got that first tuition payment notification mm-hmm. i was like oh i was real in the field okay yeah we're not doing this we're never doing this <laughs> so i moved there i got my grades up and then i applied to transfer because it's only an associate's that i could get mm-hmm. from there. and so i got my associates in early childhood education applied for mercer uga as well as kennesaw got into all three Wow, that's Very that's such a that's such a like different different make difference maker right there. It's such a different ball game at that point, and I chose to come to Kennesaw just because they have the best teaching program, especially mm-hmm. out of the three colleges that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. So I came in, got hope, thankfully, and we're here now. I'm in my senior year of my elementary education degree. I'll be graduating in next December, and right after that, I'm going to go into getting my master's in social work. Oh, wow. That is such a journey like that. Like just so many pivots, so many turns. Um, so what convinced you to go like pursue social work? And like you said, you mentioned teaching earlier. Yeah. So what I really want to do is I started off really wanting to be a teacher and then I, I still do. I'm, I do intend on teaching at least while I get my master's and using that I've done all this class for what I'm going mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. So I, I do intend on being a teacher, but I think with social work, I feel like I could make, I don't want to say more of an impact, but mm-hmm. a different kind of impact in the lives of children, mm-hmm. like educating. And that's great in itself. That's such a powerful tool without education. We really have nothing, mm-hmm. but I feel like with social work, I can actually be a little bit more personal in and more impactful in helping and helping children get out of certain situations that aren't safe for them. Mm-hmm. I want that to skyrocket me into a law degree for child advocacy so I can do that on a much grander scale. Wow. Like now you got a master plan. No, oh, yeah. I've already <laughs> mapped it out. I know what I'm going to do. The goal is attainable. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. That That is amazing. So it seems like there's a lot of things that you're doing right now, which is like, so multi-factor, multi-talented approach to it. Uh, so what does like your everyday look like now? Because you're reaching to senior year, uh, you're pursuing tons of avenues of work. Walk me through that a little bit. Recently, I've taken on the Jimmy Butler. I call it the Jimmy Butler approach because he's the person that really convinced me that this was a decent idea to try. Right. Mm-hmm. I wake up at three in the morning. After like, you, I go to wait, bed. wait, you wake up three in the morning? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've started adapting that into like my sleep schedule because it's it's so much better because I start my day so early that I have so <laughs> to accomplish. And then by like 7 p.m., I'm ready to go out. I'm ready. I'm ready to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I get to sleep early and that really helps with when the time change is going to happen and it's going to start getting dark and mm-hmm. don't up that late. But I, I really like it because I get to start my day a lot earlier. I get to get so much more accomplished in terms mm-hmm. of school, in terms of dance. I like I could build a solid workout 
mm-hmm. time and schedule and stuff like that and it made scheduling that much easier i have mm-hmm. so much day started before you know classes and work and everything else so i have a day before my day mm-hmm. it gives me so much more time to accomplish so many more things so that's been a really integral part of balancing at least because i am still teaching dance privately virtually i'm teaching private lessons and a lot of my pretty much all of my students are overseas so i kind of have yeah so my main student is in australia which right now they're 15 hours ahead of us so imagine how scheduling that would work (laughs) whenever it's night here's day there it's always flipped over then yeah so our first lesson happened at 4 a.m my time but it was like 6 p.m her time so that's what really got me like okay no if we're gonna make this like a weekly thing i need to Mm -hmm. make a daily thing so that way when it comes up during the week Mm -hmm. i'm not stressed out i'm not having to change so much to fit something if this adapted and this is already my behavior Mm -hmm. easier for not only not only for me to keep up with her but for other people so that makes me because now I can adapt to time zones quickly. Just let me know where you are. I can figure it out. Wow. So I I actually do love the Jimmy Butler mentality. It's it's something like it's like you never plan on losing. Like yeah. I really love Jimmy Butler as a player because he's just like I refuse to lose. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. I am absolutely obsessed with him. <laughs> shout out shout out to Jimmy Butler if he's hearing this at one point. Ever see this? I would lose it. <laughs> so tell me about that process to get into, say, the Jimmy Butler schedule, like 3 a.m. Miami Heat culture of like, let's take it on. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out, it was rough because I like I'm 21 now all my life, literally all my life. I was that person. I was nocturnal. So mm-hmm. I would be more willing to do things at night and stay up late as opposed to wake up early get me up before the sun has risen and I might actually commit homicide. It was bad. Like it was, <laughs> it was awful. So when I, when I first thought about it, cause I did it by accident the first time I fell asleep at 7 PM dead tired. I was intending to take a nap, slept through mm-hmm. my alarm. Next thing mm-hmm. I know it's like two 45 in the morning and I'm just awake. Like I can't go back to sleep. So it's like, all right, let's, let's start our day, I guess. And I killed out so many different homework assignments. I was, still working on my now almost published novel at the time. So I was mm-hmm. still in the early stages of that. So I was like, okay, cool. I got so much homework done. What can I do now? Probably about 5.30 in the morning now, which is a time that I had intended to start waking up at, never really picked up. So now it's about 5.30, that alarm goes off. And I'm like, okay, I can work on my book for about an hour, work out, shower, and then still be early enough to get to campus before class starts. And I did it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, whoa. Now 10 10 o'clock rolls around and I'm starting to feel a little bit tired. And I'm like, okay, I've been up for seven hours. I've completed like an entire work shift. Mm -hmm. No wonder I'm tired. (laughs) It would be unnatural if you weren't tired. Yeah, I'd be I'd I'd be a little worried there. I'd be a tad bit worried. But thankfully Mm -hmm. I planned ahead and I was like, I'm gonna need coffee at some point. Burnout within the day. So coffee's the key to maintain this. Is that what you're saying? Coffee and bright, what is it? Positive energy tea. It's amazing. So coffee plus positive energy and hopefully it might be big head coffee. It's always big head coffee over here. <laughs> it's just my five head. It works. So how long have you been doing this for? A couple, probably about like two months. Two months. Two months. Yeah. 
So what would you say would be the pros and cons if you list out like two, three pros, two, three cons? I'm going to be completely honest. The pros really outweigh the cons. Really? Cons for me were primarily just in the beginning. Mm. Pros, it keeps me on a more consistent schedule because I know if I'm waking up at three, I have to be laying down by like 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. Gotta be. Because if I'm not like, if I'm not in bed by that time, morning is going to be a whole lot of snoozing on my alarm. So, and that just defeats the whole purpose. Um, So it put me on a more consistent schedule. It put me on a better eating schedule as well. Because I had already tried to establish this thing where I don't eat after sunset because that messes with like your digestion because you're about to go to sleep and Mm -hmm. you don't have enough time to really digest your food. And by implementing going to bed by seven, that ensures that by the time I get home from work at around like five, Mm -hmm. I have to have dinner and I have to have dinner quickly. Because if I want to shower and like actually set up my bedtime routine by seven, we got to move. So it put me on a better eating schedule. So I had to actually plan out what I was going to eat as opposed to just, I'll figure it out when I get, no, 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 no. We're going to figure it out now. Yeah. (laughs) When you get home, it is, you know what you're doing, get everything together. That is it. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a big pro, a huge pro for me. So now I know what I'm eating for breakfast and I got to plan lunch out because I have been awake for so long. I'm going to need a little bit more eating breaks. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a, a really good one. Um, what would be like a final? More productivity. I got so much done. I got so like between the hours of even like three and ten, like before I even have to get to class. I was solid, let alone from like ten to five. So that, and then I still get me time to like kind of rest and mm-hmm. get into that mode. Okay, we're about to wind down and go to sleep. So then I can like put on a basketball highlight or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is a huge con for me. I miss so many basketball yeah, games. All, all the games, especially like playoff games were like at 9 p.m. here. Bro, that was a sickening time for me. I was so angry. So you didn't make an exception. Like, you didn't make an exception for that 9 to 12 o'clock Eastern games. I made some. I will at least say I did make some. Like all the playoff One, games, all the championship games. About all the playoff games, primarily because I already knew the Lakers were taking the Rockets. That, yeah. that didn't you, you didn't watch the Rocket series? I did. I really didn't. Need, I was you didn't, more you didn't worry about Harden or like Westbrook doing something. I mean, it's to me, it was it was going to be Lakers versus somebody. Mm-hmm. And then had Miami versus Boston. And yeah. I technically. I'm not going to lie. As much as I do love Jimmy Butler, I did want to see a Boston versus Lakers championship. Like just, an old school rivalry. Yeah. I just, I just wanted it for the, just for the nostalgia. Mm. You know, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> but to me, it was so, it was so great. Cause now all those former teams, like the 76ers, the Bulls, mm. that was the greatest middle finger to them for me mm. in Jimmy Butler's case. Cause all y'all talk about, he's a bad teammate. He's this and that and that. And the third, he's just a winner with the Miami Heat and they take it to the to almost getting a chip no run him his flowers run him his flowers everybody owes him an apology I want to hear it personally from Thibodeau I want to hear it from everybody everybody owes this man an apology I'm, I'm sure now he's like he's in the conversation for like top 10 players in the league gotta be Gotta be. You mean to tell me he just got to Miami this mm. past what off season or whatever? First season with them, and they're going to 
almost getting a chip against the Lakers. You gotta, you gotta give him credit. You gotta give him credit. There's no possible way you can even discredit him. Mm-hmm. You can't, bro. You nah. To me, that was straight up Mamba mentality for real. Mm-hmm. That who nah. Like it seems like you're a really big fan of basketball. Just, just my, just my guess. Why? I think, I think this is a really good question. I think every basketball fan has is why do you love basketball? Or what part of basketball do you really love? Just the competitive nature of knowing that no two people probably took the same path. Like everybody had their own way of getting there. And now that you're there, like to make it to the league is something great. It's imperative. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely wonderful. Congratulations to anybody who's ever done that. But to then maintain that fight of staying there, that to me is inspirational. Because to get to attain a goal is great. To make it to the league, that's awesome. Proud of you. Mm -hmm. What are you going to change now? Because now your entire mindset has to shift. Yeah. Made it here. Great. What are we going to do to stay here? Or better yet, evolve and become one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah. Because you don't, to me, you don't make it to the league and stay in the league if you're mediocre. Yeah. And that's a, that's a mindset I try to take throughout my life. I was mm-hmm. going to be mediocre. So I'm not going to accept being, I'm not going to accept mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what you have to in any sport you have to you have to have that mentality of being an athlete but I yeah. I take it best in basketball format mm. so I know this is really common in the basketball field uh, who do you model your game after Ooh, easily Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. if I'm not doing something to improve myself every mm-hmm. 24 hours it's a problem mm. Like he, he's the OG mama mentality, you know, well, there's Jordan, who was also yeah. just Jordan, <laughs> being Jordan. That's, that's in itself. Mm-hmm. That's totally in itself. So I, I see a lot of these uh, values as transcending, uh, especially into what you do. So I think to humanize you more as we go, what is a story that, a, that you have from college or university that's like a classic university story? It's crazy because I didn't even do that much in my first two years of college because mm. I worked a lot. I did. I was work. I was. I worked five jobs while being in school full time. Yeah. No. I'm telling you. I made. I made it happen. <laughs> I made it happen. I was a hustler and nothing else. I was a hustler. That, that is, is. That is incredible. How How do you balance five jobs? You cry so much. <laughs> You get no sleep, but you are constantly crying. And it was oh my goodness. when I got my first job, my mom didn't even want me to work because she was because I'm a freshman going into college. I've mm-hmm. never worked before anything serious. Mm-hmm. So, like I was a dance teacher in high school, but even then, like that, that wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So I got my first job. And from that, I got my second. And out of that came third, fourth and fifth. And my mom is grades are very important, mm-hmm. especially me being the way that I am. My pride is set up. I cannot pay a second time for a class that I could have passed the first time, mm. especially when you probably have to take the same professor who now has this preconceived notion about you about, Oh, this here we go again. They're not going to do your work. Now mm-hmm. I have to not only work hard to pass the class, but I have to work even harder to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. I could just shut you up the first time. I could just yeah. do my work. You could have, you- it is what it is. <laughs> Like you leave it on the field, you leave it on the court early on. There's no second chance you're going to get. Right. Set that tone. So now because perimeter, the campus that I went to, it was pretty small. So a lot of the professors knew each other. 
And especially with my focus already being elementary, not elementary, early childhood education, mm-hmm. a lot of those professors knew each other. So now I took one, crushed that class. They're going to go and tell all the other professors. So now they already have that preconceived notion. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. It's the first impressions matter. In. Exactly. And especially if that's your impression before even meeting me. So now I have to maintain that. And I maintained it well. I'll give mm-hmm. I'll give due credit where credit is due. And then while, because that was the biggest thing to my mom, like, don't let school fall. We, I can support you financially if that's what if that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that idea because mm. my mom has access to my bank account. She's watching what I'm doing. No, <laughs> if I want to order a pizza on a Friday night, no one's going to tell me no. Mm. So that was probably my biggest inspiration, being able to order Postmates. At any like, time like I, I want to be able to pay for my own pizza. Exactly. I want to be, I don't want to have to ask like, Hey, can I have like 20 bucks for which, which would be nice. Right. Like I think college students, like it's a classic, Hey, here's a small allowance. Yeah. There's no realistic way you'll be affording like a full-time salary, your student, right. That's your occupation. Right. But once I made, once I managed to, once I managed two jobs and kept up Mm -hmm. like a 4.0, my fall semester. Yeah. College. My mom was like, okay, you can do this. Uh-huh. And it turned into three, four, five. And she was like, oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, can we do this? Can't- yeah, because that now you're juggling chainsaws. Okay. So I actually have a question. Like, were these five jobs related with each other or were they different? They were all relating to children. They all stemmed out of one place. So I worked at a community center where I was an after-school counselor, which once kids started like really resonating with me and really liking me, that became babysitting. And from those two, I became a summer camp counselor, a dance teacher, and a soccer coach. And even at one point, a gymnastics coach. So technically six. Technically six, which is incredible. Like, um, and it's kind of funny how we met, was I was the summer camp leader in that. So I also re- I also remember you getting up to the rest of the class like, hey, shut up. He's saying something important. <laughs> that is the most me thing I've ever heard. I appreciated that. It gave me like credibility in front of students. And I was one of the oldest, so it kind of made more sense for everybody mm. to listen to me. Abbott <laughs> and I were sitting together and mm. we were the only we were the only two who were about to be like seniors in high school. Mm. So Kevin and I were sitting next to each other. We were like, dog, they are so disrespectful right now. <laughs> he was like, somebody should say something. I, like, I appreciate that. I really did. I was like, yes, I got their attention. I got some of their trust. This is a good, this is a good step. So you're doing a lot. Like you were doing a lot even before. Yeah. It seems like you have now narrowed it down to fewer than five, which is still a lot. <laughs> um, so I think you mentioned two main things, which is you're still continuing your dance and the book. So let's start with the dance and tell me a little bit about your why. Why do you dance? As a kid, I wasn't very like expressive verbally. So to like, I could literally be sobbing in front of you and you could ask me, what's wrong? What's going on? Nothing. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm I'm, I'm cool. We cool over here. Mm -hmm. And for that, that really gave me an outlet was dance was to I could say what's wrong, what's going on without ever having to actually say anything. And that could either resonate with people or it couldn't. And those who it resonated with, cool. Those who it didn't, also cool. And I love that it can be, I could tell my story and it could be interpreted 
totally different to someone mm-hmm. else, but that it still relates to them, just not in the way that I had the way it related to me. And I think that's the dopest part about it is that I can create a conversation without ever saying a single thing. Mm. So that's my favorite. That's my biggest favorite part. And I think it's even more incredible because you mentioned so many of your students, all of your students are international. Yeah. Do they all speak English or is that, or yes. do you just, yeah. uh, that, that does help, right? It definitely helps. But I mean, even if they didn't, there could still be a way to make it work to mm-hmm. either myself learning the language, which I wouldn't mind because I love learning languages or hand gestures. There's still a way to try and communicate. Yeah. I eventually, if I keep moving, you're going to follow me and that'll be a whole lesson. Mm-hmm. So I really like, I really like that aspect because I also get to learn about culture and eat in places that I've never been before. So I like that. Mm-hmm. We, we mentioned a lot about basketball and modeling your game. Do you have a dancer you model your dance style after? Ooh, Isabel Capitule is probably one of the biggest ones, most definitely. She to me really changed how I went in regards to hip hop. Because for me, I was, I love heavy hitting, like hard hitting in your face, like, mm-hmm. like crumping and that's, yeah. I love that style of hip hop. But I always felt like whenever I learned hip hop as a child, mm-hmm. it wasn't grimy. It wasn't like that. It was cutesy and girly. And yeah. Well, that's nice. And I do like to still incorporate that for certain vibes. I like that she like she really went after it. Like she really gave like she let you know where she was from. Like she's from the Bay. You're going to you're going to feel it. You're going to feel her energy. and You're going to feel her mm-hmm. if you're not in it. Uh, her and I think Trisha Miranda was another really good one early on. Trisha Miranda, for sure, because she taught me the balance of masculine and feminine energy, in a sense, to be heavy hitting, but to still kind of slow it down and move into a more feminine vibe within the same piece of choreography. So those are definitely my top two. Wow. And I love how you, the worlds that you're in all intersect in some way and the mentality does. So it's it's great to see that like consistent thread that goes through it. And on, on the topic of consistent thread, uh, you mentioned you are just finished writing your book or you're, yeah. you just finished editing? Yeah, I just finished editing. It'll be published next Wednesday. Wow. Can you give us like a brief overview synopsis or just your marketing spiel? So it's, it's, we're in spooky season. It's October. And I felt like this would be a really cool way to kind of close it off towards the end. It's a, it's a nice little murder mystery, like a, a bit of a whodunit. It follows four best friends, even though there's really one character at the center. Mm. What I did with this and what I really like about it and shout out to Nick Stone. She she gave me the inspiration to write the book the way that I did. I gave each of my four main characters a piece of the plot. I gave them each their own little part within the book to tell their side of the story and mm-hmm. tell what they're seeing and their own background and kind of running some of the same. I run the same event three times through three different parts and kind of get a feel of how it was perceived and who's telling the truth and who saw what. And yeah, oh, this is why they felt about that. and. This is, it may seem insignificant in one person's part, but it's a much bigger deal to someone else uh-huh. in an instance. And then there's, after the four parts, there's a final part where it's narrated. So you kind of get a bird's eye view of how everything is coming together in the end. And it, it follows four best friends, Max, Heather, Sydney, and Carolina, who have known each other all their lives. And Max has an older, Max is the only one with siblings. And Max had an older sister, Margot. Strangely enough, on Margot's birthday, she's murdered. Max sees someone carrying the body. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Yeah, it's a murder mystery. You got to keep that as a surprise. 
Yeah, Max sees a, a particular person carrying the body, and so she swears that this person and their family have something to do with it. Lo and behold, that relates back to one of the four. So it relates to either Sydney, Heather, Heather, or Carolina. And it's kind of trying to figure out, is Max right? Who did it? Why did they do it? And what lengths will Max go to make sure either Margot gets justice or she gets revenge? Wow. Yeah. I love, I love the style that you're doing. Uh, which author or like book series or thing really uh, inspired you? Um, Morris, I'd love to say Nick Stone. She was mm-hmm. probably my biggest inspiration, especially mm-hmm. the way that I came to write this book. Because she did it in a book called Odd One Out, which is such a, it's so great. It's so great. She really hooked me with that book. She became one of my favorite authors off of that alone. Mm-hmm. That's a bit more of a cheerful story. It's not in the same <laughs> but honestly, I'm surprised I even wrote a book of this genre because it's a genre that I do love. I do love comedic horrors like Knives mm-hmm. Out, which is an Amazon Prime original. I watched that so much while I was writing this book. It, it really gives the whodunit aspect a lot more oomph and emphasis. Mm-hmm. And then Why Women Kill on CBS was another good one. I watched that show a lot. That's, it's, such a, it's such a fun genre. It's so hard to pull off right, though. It is. It is. And I like the challenge. Uh-huh. Like, like your, your style reminds me a lot about like Agatha, Agatha Christie. Yeah. And like it kind of re- reminds me of the movie like Vantage Point. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's all getting together. It's like the heist is happening type of thing. It's so great. It's like you think you know who did it. Someone even admits to doing it. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, cool, solidified. We know who did it. But do we? Mm-hmm. Or are they covering up, protecting somebody else? Because everybody in the story is related somehow or another. It's really dope. That That's actually incredible. It's kind of funny how it also reflects your life in different ways. I kind of see you broken down to four different pieces and they're like different perspective, all hitting each other and seeing what happens from those explosions. Exactly. You got to blow some stuff up if you want to create a revolution. <laughs> and I, I love how you reference like movies as well as books and like individual authors and their style. Yeah. And I definitely know you have a couple favorite books and movies. Uh, so what would be like your like go to movie to watch to get some inspiration mm-hmm. as well as a book to follow that up with? To get inspiration, probably Coach Carter. Coach Carter. That's my ultimate, like, all-time favorite movie to date. Like, ever since I watched it as a child, it's been my favorite movie. And it's not even like it's, like, my favorite basketball movie. Like, it's my Mm. favorite, favorite movie. I, like, I love it. And then a book to follow that up with. Before you go on to the book, why do you love Coach Carter? I'm a big fan of the movie, too. Okay, great. So I'm curious on what uh, what what you love about it. Or why you love about it. What I loved about it is that it was a story that was really well told. Mm. And it wasn't as if they just kind of dropped the ball with the, like with the basketball scenes. Like there were actually, I would think that Channing Tatum could have made it to the league at some point. Like <laughs> They really sell you on like, okay, no, we, we play ball, we play ball here. And then the story is well directed. It's well told. It's well displayed. You, see, you actually feel the characters' ups and downs, their highs, their lows. Mm-hmm. I love more than anything when they actually started winning, how they changed, like how the players changed. And then Coach Hart had to be like, okay, hold up, y'all kind of tripping. Let's let's reel it back in. But they, And then they were like, but you said you wanted winners. Mm-hmm. So we're winners now. What's the issue? Yeah. 
it's like this now now it's a morality thing like okay let, let's humble yourself mm-hmm. let's chill out and kind of reel that back in to then get to the ending that we got even though the ending was really disappointing it was realistic yeah it, it wasn't like oh woo, like everyone wins we got championships right and it's just like no that's not what happened but to me to see them face that crushing defeat and then mm. to watch them come back after that be like, all right, it is what it is. That was great for me. Mm. Don't take your L's as losses. Take them as yeah. well. I, I think I think my favorite scene in it, and I think you hit on a lot of those touch points, uh, was like when he locked up the gym. Yes. That was exquisite. He's like, we're not, we're not going to play ball. Like, why? Are we winning? Like, no, we're not. You, I want you as men. I want you to win in life. And what are the chances that you're gonna do well after all this? Right. Like, who's to say you could act? You actually make it to the league? What do you have mm-hmm. to back on? And I, the thing that annoyed me with that was why the parents were so against him being. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really it shows the mentality of okay, let's let's get out the hood. Yeah. That doesn't have to be your only option. Like basketball players and rappers make it out the hood quicker and they have less chance of coming back. But then mm-hmm. with an education, you could go even further. Yeah. So I think that was a really big lesson that he tried to show off. And another thing that made me mad was when they were in the library and he's, and he's talking to them and Timo gets up and he walks out. He's like, I did all those pushups for you. No, 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 no. They all did pushups for you. And ran suicide. Are we really forgetting that Lyle was the first one to be like, I'll do push-ups for him. And mm-hmm. he hated you. Are you? <laughs> I was so mad that nobody called it out. I wanted Janning Tatum to be like, whoa, 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 little fella. Hold up. Mm-hmm. I recall doing some push-ups. I recall my arms hurting. Worm, didn't you run some suicides? What is this I, I, me, me, me thing? Yeah. It was such a focus on the team that I was like, I was like, yeah, this is this is some real team building things right here. Right, and I'm just like, and they they did that by choice. So mm-hmm. now slap them in the face, talk about some. Oh, I did it by myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, I I really like how they're realistic about all of it, and it was it was very raw. Like Samuel Jackson's like, I'm not the most perfect coach. Yeah. Like, his his winnings were like, see that wall? That's what I want. But he didn't. He wasn't ever like an NBA player. Yeah. Doing. He says, "No, I just got an education and I got out. Now I'm making sure none of you guys go back to that." And it's crazy because he put it in perspective for them. He's like, "I have teammates who are either in jail or dead, like right now." Yeah, and that and that's a true story. Unfortunately, those are true stories. And it's still a true story for however many people. Mm-hmm. So it, I I like the emphasis he put on making sure they were smart about what they were doing. Mm-hmm idiots most of the time <laughs> it's high school right and uh and you mentioned you had a book a favorite book as a now author near yeah. published author what is your go-to book that you would recommend i would say odd one out by nick stone that that was truly one of my absolute either that or the hate you give by angie thomas those are those are my top two what is your big why for those books with the hate you give, the way that Angie creates the scene, like she gives you so much detail and Nick Stone does as well. 
but for with Angie Thomas, I when she when she's talking about like, oh, they're in the car and they make a right here and they make a left on such and such boulevard, I can see it. Mm. I see the streets, I see what's on my right and on my left, I see the people in the car, and it, it doesn't feel like reading, it feels like you're in it. Mm. Part of the universe, you're interacting with the characters, you feel what they feel. And it's such a it's such a it's such an experience. It's yeah. not it's just reading a book. It's you're in it and you're experiencing it. And with Odd One Out, it's somewhat of the same thing, but it's a lot lighter. So it's a bit more of escapism. Whereas Angie Thomas is like really real world. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say like Nick Stone is completely fantasy. Like it's complete reality and it could actually happen. But the way that she takes it on is is a much lighter approach. It's a little bit more fun. I'll find myself laughing a little bit more in Odd One Out than I would in The Hate You Give. Granted, The Hate You Give is not a great example of a comedic book anyway. <laughs> but I I like how they're diverse in their two styles, but they're still very similar in how they about it. That's so cool. And I see I see this through line of like steeper storytelling. It's not just that main plot. It's all the other details that really add up to it. There's so many shades of gray that you don't even know if there is black or white. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Wow. And, and that's crazy because even Coach Carter has that. It's not the that's, main plot. Like the main plot, like what even was the main plot? Because there were so many different subplots that made the main plot work. Mm-hmm. That That's really interesting how that all ties it up. Um, before we go into our last section, this is always a section I love going into. Uh, before those last few questions, what other, what other paths of creativity are you currently interested in venturing out to? Ooh, I like this. Um, so I really, so when I had a performance, my Revenge of the Business performance this past, over this year, and I made my mix to my music, I really liked the idea of music producing. And I that's something I want to get into Pretty soon, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to have free time. Not even <laughs> I do. I literally created my novel because I was bored. <laughs> it was like May. It was like late May. We were still in like lockdown quarantine. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I, I'm not doing enough. I'm sleeping too much. What's going to keep me up at night? Go. And I created an entire novel out of it. So I'm probably going to start getting into music producing pretty soon. I I used to design fashion as a kid and I kind of want to get back into that. I think that would be really fun to get back into drawing and creating more hands-on things. And I would like to do that. Maybe some web design, probably. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was going to be like way, way, way down the line. <laughs> you, you got your hands full with your other 20 things that are going on. Exactly, that's going to take. And then I want to make the book I'm turning, I'm writing or finished writing into a series. And then I have a couple other series of books that I have planned out now. This You remind me of like Rick Rorian or like all those authors are just like, like, I know I'm building this series, but I got 20 other series I already have in mind. My voice notes are something crazy. <laughs> oh, you have those classic voice notes and you like just memos. Yeah, they're all just, and I did it for my book too. Like, hey, for part five, chapter da da da, make sure such and such actually writing and editing to make sure, okay, I still want to implement this. And this doesn't mm-hmm. really fit the story I'm taking it to now. It's a great way to track my progress. Mm-hmm. I have about a good five or six book ideas 
just waiting to be put on paper. That's so awesome. And I, I believe a lot of people, a lot of our listeners would love to hear your tips on that. So we're wrapping up on our last three things, uh, which are my favorite questions of if you could give or give advice or learnings on any topic, what would those three be? Giving advice, college. I've learned so much being in college. And I like I apply it to my daily life, even outside of school. So I'd love to give a lot of advice on that because what would your advice be about college? Balance. <laughs> balance. Because even if you're not like me and you were working, school in itself is a lot to balance. Like you're taking probably max eight classes at a time. Like that can get extraordinarily overwhelming. So that would be something that I would love to touch on because that's something I had to perfect and master in order to mm-hmm. make it to where I am now. Yeah. How would you how would you give the advice of balance? Prioritizing. Prioritizing. Most definitely. Figuring out what needs to be done urgently and what can wait a little while. Because you gonna you have to find some time to rest at some point. Because if you don't, it's gonna get real bad real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a multiple effect. Yeah. So that's number one. What would number two be? Number two. Probably writing. And being writing. like writing creatively. I feel like people really associate writing mostly with like school and like essays and stuff like that. And if school has taught me anything, it has taught me to absolutely BS creatively just to get something turned in on time. Mm-hmm. So I, I could take a super boring book report essay and turn it into something. I literally made a professor of mine cry before. Really? Yeah. So that would definitely be something I would like to touch on. So write creatively, um, even on the boring topics. Even on- what would your third piece of advice be? Creativity through movement and Cre- meditation with movement. Definitely that. Because that I, I've genuinely implied that a lot or put that into my own ways of teaching because I'll always have mm-hmm. to meditate before we start a class. Mm-hmm. That way you kind of, because even though I'm giving you the steps, you're the one still telling the story. So I would like for you to know how you're feeling and how you want to approach whatever it is that I'm giving you and to Mm. be able to approach that with your own type of flag, your own type of emotion. Cause it's not about me at that point. I'm literally giving you the tools. You're the vessel, use the tools and create your own type of art. That would definitely probably be my third one for sure. So the the advice would be create through movement uh, and then you'll discover new things about you as well as what you're learning about. For sure. That is so cool. And I I think, you wrapped it up really well in those three last uh, learnings. Uh, is there any last notes or shout outs you want to do for us? Shout out to everybody who's like supported me from day dot. Like it's, it seems like it would be a lot of people, but it, it hasn't. And people have come and gone. But for those who have stayed consistent, I ride for them for sure. Mm-hmm. That's hard to find being a creative to find people who, because I'm my own biggest critic. So I'm always really, really scared to like share certain things. And so for the people that I do share it with and who welcome it with open arms and are like, oh, wow, no, like you created this out of nothing and bring me back mm-hmm. into that space. of so that's what being a creative is. Yeah, that's something that I think that's a big thing that no one really talks about is why we get so easily disappointed with what we create is because we're working from an idea. And if what we create doesn't exactly look like that idea that we already had, we feel like it's we feel like it's bad. But you have to realize that the audience that you're giving it to 
you created this out of literally nothing. Mm. And I felt like that. I felt like that with so many dance performances. I felt like that with my book like a while ago, like after I finished it, I was like, oh yeah, it's done. It's edited. It's going to be great. And the next morning I was like, oh my God, what if they all hate it? Mm. And my mom is, my mom is reading it and she's, she's like, dog, you created this out of thin air. Like, even if it wasn't what you originally anticipated, this is amazing for you to create out of literally just, oh, a book. And then to then do that is something mm. incredible. And I feel like that's something we as creatives need to give ourselves a lot more credit for. Whether we are imitating or in being inspired by something, we're still creating something out of legit thin air with no preconceived notions or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And our audience has no idea what it, what we what it was supposed to look like. Like they don't know yet. Exactly. It's, I remember they gave the same advice when I was in the dance crew. They're like they have absolutely no idea what this dance is supposed to look like. So any accident looks like it's on purpose. No, literally. And that's why I love freestyling so much. And that's what actually got me into dancing was being able to move freely and no one knowing what it's supposed to look like because it's not supposed to look like anything. It's supposed to look like whatever I give you in the moment. So that I that would be my biggest thing. I, I absolutely love that. That is so awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of the Ranger Outpost. We'd love to hear from you. So send us some comments and feedback to at Ranger Outpost on Instagram as we set up our official website and email address.